You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides, your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 48, recorded December 1st, 2019. Our topic for this episode was going to say this evening, but like, you might be listening to this, you know, in the morning. Um, anyway, the topic is Letters from Eris, Part 2. I'm your host for the for this episode. I need to get used to saying that. <clears throat> I am Elamist. And this is Ivan. Unfortunately, Mrs. Ivan is recovering from a family trip. Yes. So she's knocked out. <laughs> she just finished a nice long drive, so she's unconscious with sleep. <laughs> so the good kind of unconscious. Exactly. <laughs> that nice when you're ready to just power down and just bam like she was just watching tv we ate some food i was like you want to record she was like i don't think so and then bam she was unconscious like five seconds later so hopefully she's resting up now she's in the other room with the dogs she was very happy to be home and see them we had a lot of a lot of fun at disney world but uh glad to be back definitely and with that uh let's move into podcast news we encourage feedback you can find us on twitter at guardians underscore lore you can email us, guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. Um, you can also find our work on thelordnetwork.com alongside many other impressive lore content creators. Now, stuff you may have missed in Destiny. This past week was Iron Banner. I think I played like two matches. And it was just full of sweaties, so I was like, mm, nope, I'm good. Yep, I played none. I heard it was pretty uh, rough this time, and I've been playing uh, I've been playing Sea of Thieves <laughs> this week, and then I was also obviously at Disney World for a couple days, driving down everything. So I didn't get, I actually didn't get into any Iron Banner. Might get into a little bit of it before it ends, but I don't actually need anything. So kind of that like power down of the season kind of thing. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I did the two matches, and then I jumped into Pokemon. <clears throat> yeah, I got Pokemon, too. I started on the trip, but I was driving most of the time, so I didn't get to play too much. I, I <clears throat> almost have a living Dex. Nice. I just started. I'm not only getting out of the first town. <laughs> Let me know what you need. I'll breed it for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Right. Yeah, I made sure to ask Elemist what version he got so I could get the other, and he was like, oh, I got both. And I was like, never mind, but... Now I know I can trade whatever I can't get in my version from yours. Yep, exactly. Uh, back to Destiny. <laughs> Next week is the last season, or the last week of the season. So as a reminder, seasonal quests, the past progress, all ranks, it's all gone after the you know this season is over. Everything resets. Um. Mrs. Hyben is not here tonight, so she doesn't have a corner, and we didn't have any listener Q&A, so we're jumping straight into the topic. A brief intro to the topic. The lore book is obtained from Experiencing the Story of Shadowkeep. Mm-hmm. And, the first half. <laughs> well, like, the last half is still technically 
<clears throat> people are wondering if it's I just was well, we were just looking on everything, Reddit and all kinds of things, and some people say they thought it could be bugged and so who knows? And then there's all kinds of different theories, but I don't know. I don't have in game and Elemist. If if Elemist doesn't have the lore in game, then there's chances <laughs> are something's wrong. Because he has at least some of all of it. And and these entries I don't specifically have. We suspect it's from Nightmare Hunts based off of the actual entries themselves. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, and quite possibly the highest difficulty of Nightmare Hunts, which I know I didn't get into because, well, unfortunately, they were fun the first couple times, but they weren't rewarding enough for me to play through all the difficulties. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you'd gotten into any of those. I think I did, like, one or two of them, and I didn't could get might, any yeah. more entries, but it might be tied to, like, the time trial. It could be glitched, or, or it could be, it might not be one of the guaranteed every single time kind of ones, you know? Right, it might be a so, random drop from completing it. Yeah. Um, and each entry is a letter from Eris to either the Queen or Ikora. Now, Hyven, you want to bring us into our readings? Yeah. Man, it's the fastest we've ever got to a topic. Right? <laughs> right? Every, Mrs. Hyde is not here to steer us off into other conversations. Her corner in her, in, is really what gets us going. Hey, she said we were going to be all over the place. We haven't even started talking random stuff about, like, Pokemon or the fact that I built my lightsaber at Disney and wanted to freak out about that. So I think we're doing pretty good. We're disciplined nerds. That's right. <laughs> Stick on topic as much as possible. All right. Um, so we left off last week. Where did we leave off last week? Eris was starting to uh, get a little uneasy, I think, about some of the... You could see her... her. Oh, yes. Personality start to, like, change. Uh Last week, the final entry was regarding the spread of nightmares. <laughs> and it was oh, a letter yeah. to Ikora. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to It's those darn nightmares. Those nightmares. Hey, I, I was trying, okay? <laughs> I'm going to try this week. Nightmare. Probably already messed up with nightmare hunts. Nightmare. Never paid attention, okay? Until you guys made me feel subconscious. Now I, now I got to try harder. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Dude, I'm going to make sure to throw the word ideology into every single episode we make. I'm going to type it in <laughs> somewhere and see if Mrs. Hyven notices or struggles or not. Just see how that works. So I always have something to harass her about. Because we know she reads straight from the notes. She does. She will read it straight forward. And she won't even think about it until she messes up. Unless she's listening to this. She listens to this episode and it drops and then she'll know the truth. But oh well. She still probably wouldn't notice until it happened. Yeah. Much love, Mrs. <clears throat> Ivan. <laughs> Look forward to having you back. <clears throat> yeah, actually, she's she's going to be excited for episode 49. First, she was like, I don't know. I'm not that interested in this episode. And I was like, about a guardian losing their dog. And she was like, ah, I miss my puppies. And I was like, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy the story. It's sad, but it's a good one. So. Oh, it's so good. <clears throat> yeah, and if you know what we're talking about, we're doing... Um, Luna's How and Not Forgotten Story. I think we mentioned that the other week, but that's what we're doing for 49. Yep, for the next episode. All right. Well, then, so now we're moving on into Fogoth for this half. So 
Our next entry, well, first for this episode, next for the overall story is regarding Fogoth, the Untamed. My queen, abomination, the untamed spawn of Crota. That's what we called him. Fogoth was a creature bred for one purpose, destruction. The hidden swarm kept this ogre alive through foul rituals of rebirth, chained up in the summoning pits. Its unnatural existence a reminder of the threat the swarm possesses. Yet, seeing its visage has sparked an unexpected emotion within me. Pity. I, too, know the pain of having to lead an existence you no longer want. The monster should have died and been forgotten. Instead, it had to live a life of indentured servitude. Sometimes I feel the same. Though duty is my oath and privilege, I can't help but feel trapped by the endless cycle of the fight. Will it all be worth it in the end? Will I ever know peace? Perhaps the nightmares are weighing on me more than I'd care to admit. As these thoughts flood my mind and cloud my judgment, even still, I remain steadfast in our mission, my queen. Your endless support drives me, and for that, I am thankful. Wow. Eris is super depressing here. <laughs> she compares herself to Fogoth, who's chained up in a pit. Well, and like, I too know the pain of having to lead an existence you no longer want. <clears throat> yep. Like, wow. I do know, she, I think also the fact when she talks about though duty is my oath and privilege, I think a lot of that's tied into the fact that she's technically still a guardian, but without a ghost. Now she's kind of just stuck to this way, but like she can't fully, she can't really exact, I don't know if you'd say she couldn't fully commit because Eris kind of still commits, but I think she was, she's trapped to this weird existence where she's still a guardian and she still probably feels like that's her duty, but at the same time, she can't be as reckless as, you know, an average guardian can be. So I can imagine that's pretty rough, especially as she talks about how Fogoth should have should have died and it kept is still still existing. And I feel that's kind of like describes Eris. She thought she probably was supposed to die down there in the Hellmouth Hell, Hellmouth with all of her fire team. So, you know, you got a little bit of that uh what um survivors Survivor's Some Guilt. Worst. Survivor's Guilt, yeah, kind of thing going on there. And I think this is like a great like, demonstration of that. Definitely. Um, and like like you were, were saying, I mean, she's still a guardian, but like she doesn't have a ghost. So at this point, she can't jump into the fray like a normal guardian would. Yeah. I guess she's technically maybe not a Risen anymore, but still a guardian. And we're not 100% sure what powers um, are tied to just her ability. Obviously, we know she's got some pretty cool stuff that she learned from Tolan and seems like more of the darkness side. But as far as, like, you almost maybe wouldn't consider her a Risen because she cannot rise again. So, But that term Guardian is now not just referring to an undead individual, but it's referring to, like, a protector. And that, I think, she took an oath and still is following up with. Which then, it, it, I said it before some episodes ago, and I, I don't remember when, um, but that it leads us 
to say that Guardian isn't the specific person. It's the the ideologies behind them. That's exactly what I was thinking. Because, you know, we've we've talked about it. I've heard other people talking about it. You know, we have so many different names for Risen, Guardian, you know, um, the Iron Lords and Warlords. Yeah. Um, heck, I think there's more than that when they first... Lightbearer. Lightbearer. Yeah, and uh, I think they almost all describe something different. She might still be a light bearer in the sense, and she's definitely probably still a guardian in that sense, if you follow that ideology. But as far as, you know, she maybe she doesn't follow Risen. But, um, yeah, I never really thought about that. If, like, those words would still hold different meaning today, or if that was just, a, like, a timepiece where, you know, those terms would still be the same, but just referring to, like, a time in history. Well, because, like, each of those terms, when related to the average guardian or the average risen, you know, it, it, it all works. Mm-hmm. But then you start getting these outliers and you're like, okay, well, you're not a risen because you can't rise anymore. But are you still a guardian? Because that's, like, you start picking things apart. Like, it, it's interesting to argue. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of guardians who are... Like, unique. Even, like, Asher. We've talked about how Asher Mir, like, what happens next time yeah. he gets rezzed? His ghost is even infected. You know, we have examples of people without ghosts. Um, you know, uh, people who have... I don't know, you got people like uh, Osiris, who somehow has, like, certain control of, like, Vex stuff. He's able to simulate himself. And, you know, Guardians have now gone and gotten so crazy. And then you have us, who is now experience, experimenting with... Uh, you know, the darkness. In, in D3 or later in D2's life, when maybe we do get those, like, gray guardians everyone's been talking about, you know, that dark guardian, what will that, will, what will we be referred to as? You know, the, t- the tower might not refer to us as guardians if we are technically working with the darkness, but we still might have the same abilities. So I just find it, like, it's odd. Maybe, maybe, in that, maybe that's what er- how Ares feels. She doesn't fit in a group exactly anymore, and that's why she feels kind of cast off like Fogoth, and just she's still stuck in this position, but she doesn't quite fit in, and she kind of just fishes she had just died in the Hellmouth, but she's stuck in a place where she has to keep going on. Yeah. I mean, and I would also say it seems like she's got, well, she's got friendship to some degree. Um, you know, she's she's close, to, as we talked about. She, she's writing this stuff to Ikora. Uh, she seems pretty close to Ikora, and she ends this with, your to the queen, you're Endless support drives me. For that, I am thankful. So the only conversations we originally had with them or the original plan they instituted, but we also had done the episode where she had gone back to the reef and talking to Aldrin or talked back to the queen. So they could have formed a, a bond, could have had different conversations and communications. I mean, you know, the queen and Eris have both been missing for a while. So whatever's going on, they seem to be, I would say, not just... Not just allies, but there is some level of like friendship, and um, it's not just a job. You know, she doesn't sound like this. She's just a hired, a hired gun. There seems to be a, a, a definite, a deep connection going here, at least in regards to, as you always say, Elmas. I think that is her queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got anything else on that one? That I think uh, we. No, I'm ready to move on. Right. I think we went off topic and then tied it all back in perfectly at the end. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah all right i'm ready 
and I'll be reading regarding Tanix, the Scarred. My queen, loyalty to the highest bidder is no loyalty at all. The fallen mercenary, Tanix, the Scarred, has appeared. It is a nightmare, I believe, though it is hard to say with Tanix. He was assumed defeated by guardians during the Siva conflict, although he has come back from the dead so many times that I feel somewhat uncertain. All I am sure of is that the nightmares are growing stronger. They challenge my fortitude in a way I haven't experienced since my time in the Hellmouth. Tanix has changed in my respects over the years. He has enlisted the technology of the Fallen, Vex, and humans to alter himself out of necessity. He's a survivor, much like myself. Never in all my years did I think I would waver in my opinion of him. Yet, here I stand, sympathetic to a being who doesn't understand the meaning of the word. I sometimes question what kept me in the hellmouth. Was I truly trapped there? Or was I keeping myself there? Was it a self-imposed exile for the disastrous attempt at assassinating Crota? Was I a prisoner of my own making, doing penance for my mistakes? No, this can't be right. Tanix is a lawless murderer with no moral code or ethics. There was that period, I am sure you recall, where it was assumed Cade Six had slain him. Yet he returned, only to bring down Andobrask in cold blood. Despicable. This is not me. I am no murderer. I fight for something better alongside all the Guardians of Light. This mission becomes more arduous by the day, but I am resolute in my cause. So I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Um, number one, the reason these nightmares are effective is they really get in your head. Uh, we see this is now like a second time Eris is um, like aligning herself in some regard to some characteristic of these different nightmares. She's comparing herself. Uh, and then she goes on the roller coaster ride of feeling pity for Tanix, thinking she's kind of like Tanix, and then changing her mind and her resolve and saying, no, I'm not a heartless murderer. I'm nothing like him. And also bringing up the fact that I was always curious, we see how easy it is for us to get in and out of the Hellmouth. And I always expected that wherever Eris was, it might not have been exactly where we had tread. It was obviously probably a lot harder to get out. But I always had the question, you know, how deep must she have been that she was stuck in there for years? And then even she asks herself, was she truly stuck or was she kind of keeping herself in that prison? Um you know, I always assumed that it was just because it was dangerous. She wasn't able to find a way out. But, you know, I, I never really thought about it before. But she, I think she really did have some survivor's guilt. And I was probably making it harder on herself, at least, if not um, kind of sabotaging herself in some ways. It's very possible. Because, um, I mean, we know that she didn't exactly find her way out until she got the Acolyte Eyes. And that was from the Ahamkara wish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't exactly know when that happened. For all we know, she had that done pretty quick and then just kind of stood there. 
I also, you know, I had wondered maybe she was investigating, maybe she was trapped, maybe she was lost. But this is kind of the first time I ever really thought about the fact that maybe she was just kind of was a little bit of self-pity and, you know, depression. She was kind of just stuck down there and didn't know what she wanted to do to continue on. Yeah. Eris is, Eris is a sad figure. Uh, everyone gives her a hard time for being so odd, but, I mean... So creepy and odd, stuff. but... Yeah, she's... She's It'd probably all be a little creepy and odd if we went through that. And who knows what in the world having part hive, like hive eyes, what does that do to you when you get turned into partial hive? Well, and like when you stop and think about it, she watched all her friends die and then she became part of what she hated the most. Oh, God, right. That's how those Ahamkara wishes get you. So that's say be careful what you wish for. So like that's got to do something to you mentally. Right. And then, of course, the best part, Hanix. He's back as a nightmare. Or is he? Nobody really knows. Right. He never seems to die. Right. <clears throat> Look, that just that's just the uh, the he's he must be a simulation of the Vex. That just clarifies the fact that all this is a simulation. <laughs> and it's just Hanix coming in through different timelines. Man's like oh, half I... robot, half undead. <laughs> Half-time traveler. All I know is this is the third time I've killed him. He better stay dead this time or else. Right? I mean, geez, we killed him three times. Cade's killed him. I guess just Twice, the one. probably. But Andal, yeah, everyone's, yeah. everyone's killed him. Oh, my God. Good old Tanix. Like, I, th- I think it was a nightmare. I think this is just a callback to the fact that He's been that thorn in the side, oh, but yeah. it, it, it looked like a nightmare, and I can't, I can't imagine Tanix come back to life again. Well, like oh he, it, it's like <clears> going <throat> meta for a moment. He's got a nightmare hunt for him, so he Unless... is a nightmare. But in game, it's like, oh man, is he back? Yeah, maybe that's the nightmare. We, he's just on he's just on our mind. You know, that could be it. You know, all these nightmares could just be representations of things that we fear, and we probably just we fear the we fear him coming back. So who knows if he actually is dead, but our mind is portraying some of our biggest fears and our biggest baddest enemies. What it also could be is since Cade's death is still fresh on our mind. True. Tanix was him. brought back because of of us thinking about Cade. Yeah, that definitely could be it. Definitely a tie in there. And then I also noticed we were just talking about what we would refer Eris. It seems that the way even Eris refers to herself, at the end it says, I fight for something better alongside all the Guardians of Light. So So she doesn't consider herself a Guardian. Yeah. So a Guardian of Light. So, you know, that plays Or she's a Guardian without the Light. Yeah, I just find that interesting that she does categorize herself as something something other to a degree, because um, you know there's there's that discussion of uh, do we all have light in us? Is that just a force of the universe and guardians just have more, or are we imbued with the traveler's light, which is a unique light? Um, but she does say guardians of the light with capital L. So whatever we technically are, she does categorize herself as different. She definitely still has some power. And some tricks up her sleeve, but she's really just, I guess, normal, or at least as normal as someone who can come back to life. Part human survivor can be. 
Yeah, entity who came back to life but then can't revive again? That whole thing is crazy, man. Guardians in general, I used to always be curious what would happen if, before we had had a ghost's death, you know, what happens to Guardians without a ghost? Do they just, like, disintegrate? But no, it seems that, like, once once they're res, they're, they're back to life in the material world, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Be curious to see what happens to good old Eris. I feel like her story, she's just going to sail off into the sunset and be ha- live happily ever after. Probably not. But will she? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. All right. I'll move us on then to our next card. Regarding Skolas. My queen, the Kel of Kells, Skolas. A true nightmare if ever I've seen one. I apologize, my queen. If the mention of his name unearths any foul memories. I know the toll it took on the Awoken when he waged his unholy war on the reef. Rallying the House of Wolves in an uprising that saw the loss of so many Awoken lives. We mourn them still to this day. Skolas' ambition was nothing if not relentless. In certain regards, I almost respect his sense of duty to his people. He was ruthless in his quest to lead his followers to glory. After his final revolt inside the prison of elders, guardians banded together to thwart him once and for all. Until today, when the darkness summoned a nightmare of him. I fear we may someday find ourselves in Skolas' place, shackled and bound, deprived of our friends and followers. Yet, we cannot abandon hope no matter how freeing it would be, to just give in to the darkness, to give up, to feel no more pain. No. Skolas was grueling to defeat. We must be the same. We too shall adapt and become ruthless in hopes of staving off the darkness. I feel the same sense of dedication to my people that Skolas felt for his. Death itself will have to claim me to end my campaign. The weight of this mission is not overwhelming, though it feels heavier with each step forward. I will carry on. She's comparing herself to Skolas. She's been comparing herself to all these. It's really very interesting. It's... it's, Because, like, I mean, we we fought all these enemies so far. And we haven't really had a connection to them outside of our victories. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's making a connection to them as beings. Yeah, well, you know, everyone says that, like, no villain thinks themselves the villain. You know, everyone is a hero of their own story. So she's relating to almost kind of, like, their drive. You know, here she yeah. um, respects his duty to his people. Even even though she's talking to the queen, you know, she first apologizes. You know, I know this could be a touchy subject, but I do feel some uh, respect for him for what he he did. And then, yeah, and then she even goes on to say that, like, I think one day we're going to get destroyed just like him. And then once again, she's getting sad and depressed again about how easy it would be to just give up into the darkness. But then, no, Skolas didn't give up. We should be like Skolas. Like, uh... Right. 
All right, Eris. I mean, if that's what you need to to keep you going, that works. Let's find motivation in the thing we shouldn't find motivating. Yay! Right. <laughs> we should make a motivational campaign off of every nightmare. <clears throat> Fogoth, do you have giant malignant boils and have been locked in a basement in chains for years? <laughs> you too can be free one Oh, model for you. Like, geez, man. Uh, but that's what I was talking about, I think, and I said at the beginning of the last week's episode was, like, look at how her resolve kind of changes. At the very beginning of those, she was like, we got this. Nothing can stop us. And now we see these nightmares are, like, really getting to her. So much as, yeah. I mean, she says, yet we cannot abandon hope no matter how freeing it would be to just give in to the darkness, to give up, to feel no more pain. At this point, she's not talking about Skola. She's talking about herself and what her in, her natural inclination is. But she does say that even though this is getting harder and harder, she will carry on. But we can see that these nightmares really are playing a toll on her. Um, yeah, and, and that's something that's something like we probably don't get as if you if you're not reading the lore and you're just playing in game, it's just another boss. You know, you're thinking recycled content. Not that big of a deal. I'm not really thinking about this. But just think about all the emotional like attachments that are, are, are kind of like part of this whole story. And, and especially for a character who had gone through so much. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could, if you wanted to relate to your character and you know, put yourself in the shoes of your character, you probably like, have some similar fe- feelings also. I'm sure you'd be pretty terrified fighting some of these big bosses who were very difficult in the past. Oh, I know. I I was fighting Skolas. Yeah. How many times did you get rezzed in the Prison of Elders or completely wipe in the original Prison of Elders where you had to, like, start all over if you turned off your system? So you spent, like, five hours trying to finish that thing. It, it was crazy, and it was difficult as anything the first yeah. time. So then come here comes the new Nightmare of Skolas, and it He's shooting his cannon, and like in my mind, I know I'm perfectly fine taking a hit or two, but I'm still like feeling that fear from D1 year one. Yeah, you're looking around. I need to pass. I need to pass off the debuff. I need to pass the poison. Yeah, we referred to it as the taint, but you, you're when your light was tainted, you gotta you gotta pass it off. But then there's nobody around you, and you start freaking out, and you're like, oh wait, that that was then. This is now. Exactly. And, and I mean, it, it's funny to... It's ironic to see Eris's depression and PTSD and survivor's guilt, like, as the story has progressed, and to see how she's not dealing with it in regards to these nightmares. Yeah. I think they made it... They've made her open up. That's why everyone thought she was just this crazy lady. We thought she had been down there and she just like adapted to it and is just fine. But these like the as we've seen her more and more specifically specifically in this expansion, we've seen that she's just messed up after all that and she is dealing with it and not so well. I think she just, you know, tried to put a, a band-aid over it. We were fighting Crota, we were fighting Oryx. She was part of the queen's plan. You know, she's just been staying busy. But now she can't stay busy because what she's supposed to be doing is surrounding herself with reminders of the trauma she felt. So I think this is really revealing to see, like, 
the expansion of another character. And, you know, that's exactly yeah. what the, uh, the, the writers said that this was going to be, you know, in the same way we got a little bit more into Mara's life with the lore and the game for Forsaken, we're getting a lot of in-depth guides into, oh, not guides, but in-depth looks into more characters. And I think that's awesome because, you know, for the longest time, we always said that there wasn't a lot of depth to some of the characters. Cade maybe had the most depth. And, you know, it was just yeah. mostly mostly comic relief until we got some of the information about him. But that still wasn't until later. So I'm really, really happy. D2 has really, really um, broadened up the characters. Like Shin, for one. That's crazy. So I'm really, really glad that we get the same thing for Harris. And now I'm curious who's going to be next. Tune in. Actually, by the time they're listening to this, the stream for next season will have happened. And whatever's so supposed to happen to next that. week, I, something should happen if you're listening to this on Reset, something this last week should trigger some carryover into the next season. And I'm really curious to see what that is. And see, I I thought it was more of just like the Undying Mind was going to be a carryover. That could be it. I mean, they did say that something would... Pa- they said something... It would set up for something unresolved. I felt like we resolved the Undying Mind, but though they did put that little caveat that... We don't know what our actions, like what, I forget exactly how it was worded, but in the TWAV, they talked about after we defeated him, we don't know what um, effect our actions have had on the future kind of thing. But I don't know. I was kind of hoping there would be like an event in the last week that was just like grabbed everyone's attention and they were just ready to get back into the next. Or maybe an exotic quest that drops. Yeah, even if it's just a little teaser. I mean, we got that, what, a couple, what was it? Two, three weeks ago now, where we got that extra cutscene when we logged in with Eris touching uh, that statue yeah, and yeah. Rock getting a new power. So, I mean, I think we might get like another little cutscene or something to tie us into the new season. I'm excited for it. So, I guess you will probably nope. you might you might know by the time because what is that? Uh, next should we, is it reset? Fourth? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's next or third? Yeah, the third. Yeah. Yep, that's reset, so... Alright, sweet. So a couple hours after this episode drops. Mm Mm-hmm, you'll know the future. Anyway, uh, moving back into the story, let's move on. I'll be covering regarding Gaul. My queen. The Red War was not so long ago. The nightmare of Gaul is an unwelcome reminder of the slaughter we faced. Many of us are still rebuilding after the atrocities committed by this murderous fiend. He orchestrated one of the greatest tragedies our people have endured when he tried to steal the traveler for himself and harness its light, destroying our homes and the tower, massacring thousands of innocents in the process. But his profane, self-aggrandized fantasy that he would be chosen to receive the Traveler's Light. It would amuse me to think this brute, who excelled only at betrayal and subterfuge, would ever be worthy of the Traveler's Light, had his misguided campaign not led to so much senseless bloodshed. Light stands for self-sacrifice and devotion. Light is the hope of a peaceful, harmonious world. Gaul sought only power. He would never have been chosen for the light. I often wonder whether I was chosen or whether I made a choice in my journey through this life. 
did fate make me or did I make my own fate? I cannot say with great certainty one way or the other. I can only assert that I choose what I feel to be right in any given moment and hope I made the right choice. I was relieved when Gaul was defeated by the might of guardians and destroyed by the traveler's light. It was reaffirming. I spare no pity for Gaul, as he was a wretched creature who got what he deserved. His rage-fueled quest for power will not prove our greatest test, however. I dread that whatever comes creeping out of the darkness next will dwarf the devastation Gaul brought forth. We must steal ourselves for what lies inside the pyramid. That relating to the nightmares is over. She's still hot with Gaul. Um, oh, yeah. She had nothing nice to say about him. Um, and, I mean, she's right. You know, he was trying He was trying to gain the light of the Traveler by showing the Traveler that he was strong enough to deserve it. But that is not how the Traveler works. The Traveler gifts. The Traveler gives. You know, his action was more of a final shape kind of thing. You know, destroy the competition to be on top. Um so, and you know that she basically talks about that he, everything that the Traveler stood for, he basically just, you know, full out ignored. So she, she still, still hates Gaul. Well, rightly so. We don't know how much, but I imagine, I'd be curious to know uh, how many Guardians died during the invasion of the Cabal and Gaul. Because um, I'm sure a lot of people didn't survive without their light. Not everyone was as lucky as us to survive a fall off the tower and just kind of wander out without anyone seeing us right because it says massacring thousands of innocents yeah like I that's imagine. not even talking about the actual guardians that's just True. talking about the people of the city that too yeah yeah when your soldiers don't have i mean not that we still couldn't fight but you know ikora comments on how she had never been more scared too scared to kind of stand up for it so it, it's with without their their light and you know their their ghosts working, it almost was kind of like a an army without weapons all of a sudden. How do they defend the the um the civilians? They really don't. Everyone was just trying to run. So um once again, this is another very uh like charged individual to be a nightmare. Yeah. And and then this is the first tie into uh, preparing to go inside the pyramid. We must steal ourselves for what lies inside the pyramid. So, you know, she's recognizing that these nightmares are ramping up. They're getting more current. They're maybe getting a little closer to home. And she's just, you know, what's going to happen when they go into the source of all of this? Well, and even then, like, I, I think it's more of like, if this is what came out of the, the pyramid, then what's still inside it yeah that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying too because like this is just the first line of defense you figure there have got to be better defenses closer to something that it's trying to protect yeah and i mean we we know because if you've played the story you know what kind of happens in there but that final cutscene, who really knows what to expect so uh i think what really lies in the pyramid is definitely something to be scared of and that's what these next entries kind of go into, I think, some of the things that we saw when we went inside. Um, so if you're ready, I'll move on to Zydron, the Gate Lord. Sounds good. 
All right, so regarding Zydron Gatelord, my queen, I find myself unexpectedly empathizing with the Vex Gatelords. The machine's sole purpose lies in defending their realm, a noble and relatable cause. I employ the same sense of duty. It's what drives me in our crusade against the darkness and allows me to persevere, even when I feel pushed past my limits, much as I do now. I will not lie to you, my queen. The very fabric of my mind feels twisted and frayed. I have always sensed something inherently dark in regard to the Vex. Specifics elude me for now, but I believe it warrants further scrutiny, should we survive this ordeal. The ancient protectors of the Black Garden are rumored to contain code, not coordinates to a place, potentially a key to time itself. Perhaps we can harness that code and erase the horrors of the past. We could save ourselves from the suffering and pain we're being forced to confront. It sounds weak to hope for something so impossible, but trying to reconcile the distress is called a lesion that I fear will never heal. The past has come back to torment me. For those I love, I will make sacrifices. But will there be anything left of me afterward? She's relating to a gate lord. <laughs> She's back to the relating again. Like, it, it was literally relate, 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 gall, relate. Relate, what? hate, relate, relate, hate, relate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's the fact that gate lords have their one job is just to defend the gate, the entrance, the realm, you know. I, I get it, but, like, these usually aren't things... Although, I mean, that's kind of good at the same time. You know, I think if people related to their enemies, we'd probably all be a little better off to some degree. But, you know, these nightmares have, like, no good intentions at all. And she's, like, stopping to consider this kind of stuff. It's really getting in her head. She admits to it in this one. That the fabric yeah. of her mind is twisted and frayed. And at least she's upfront about it with the queen. Yeah, that's why uh, I said I think that there's a little bit more than just, like, a job there's a little bit of friendship there because like she could be keeping all this hidden away and then everything would blow up eventually but yeah like, these aren't just reports these are like honest letters you know yeah they are reports but they're very personal reports um, yeah and then she goes on to say that maybe after all this is done they can see if they can learn how to reverse time from the vex so she's she's really just wants all of the pain she's had to deal with to just kind of be done for. Um, yeah, I mean, she says that she's going to keep going on, but she doesn't know if there's going to be anything left with her afterwards. So, I mean, you got to give Ares a lot of credit. She is really, really holding it together to get this done. She's holding it together really well, considering everything that's coming at her. Yeah. And yeah, I'd just be curious, like, what... What does this mean for Eris after this? You know, she already disappeared from the tower once to do all this stuff. Will she ever be able to settle down into the tower and just be a normal vendor? I just I just don't know if that's going to happen again. I just don't see that being her. I'd be really curious to see what happens to her when this is all said and done. Well, like, I see her being, like, going meta for a moment. I, I don't see her migrating back to the tower. 
I see her staying on the moon. Yeah, that's true. She could just, that's true. Regardless of what they do with her, she could stay on the moon. That's kind of become like, unfortunately, where she kind of feels close to, even though it's a negative way. Um, although, who knows? I could totally see Eris like sacrificing herself to just like be done with this craziness once and for all. And that would be kind of a fitting end. I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I I would love to see what this is leading to, and especially how this is all tying into the queen, and now we're tying into the pyramids. Like we're in thick. We're in thick right now. Who knows where this is gonna go? Yeah. And we could speculate a lot, a lot, maybe with some accuracy, but I don't think anyone really knows what's gonna happen next. All right. That that last paragraph though, it sounds weak to hope for something so impossible. But trying to reconcile the distress has caused a lesion that I fear will never heal. Like, at, at this point, she's it's, it's it's she's having a hard time dealing with all the nightmares that are coming at her. And at this point, you, you also have to remember, she's got the her entire fire team behind her whispering yeah. to her. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say. We're technically fighting... The, you know, these ones she's mentioning now, kind of for her, but I'm sure they're still stressful. And then we're not even having to deal with the, the you know, the, 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 the personal, yeah, the personal demons who are kind of back there messing with us. That's crazy. Uh, can't imagine that. Trying to, like, save the world and, like, having these weird visions of, like, your friends or family that you've lost. That, that's, that's pretty hard. Yeah. Got to give her a lot of credit for keeping it together. Like, imagine five of your closest friends dying, and then you see their reanimated ghosts die again each week. Also, yeah, that too. So like, and she's dealing with a lot. Right, I didn't even think so, but this is just this is a depressing couple episodes, man. There's not really, I mean, it's it, that really is. It's well, Eris kind of, it's doom well, and gloom, like, but for a good reason. She is having a rough time. Well, and like this, this brings to light like a lot of mental illness, mm-hmm. you know, PTSD, depression, um, survivor's guilt, you know, it, all that kind of stuff. And I might not like Eris as a character, but I like the progression of her story because in game, Every week, we go in and help her actually grieve one of her fire team members. And so then she's still maybe depressed and she might have PTSD, but at least she won't have that survivor's guilt. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is, it is so great that they have such a, a good take on, on this. And also that you know, in-game, we're trying to help. We're, we are, in a way, trying to help her through this, and she's kind of working through this. and um. You know, this is this is not obviously this is not actually happening um, to this scale, but people have their own personal demons and you know, yeah. and thoughts of things that deal. Or even if you said certain some mental health people do have hallucinations and and things that they have to live with. And you know, I, I can't imagine what that's like. So you know, we all we all struggle with something different, whether it's uh, you know, loss of a friend or family, or uh, you know, personal heartache in any way. But, you know, I, I think it's nice that Bungie always writes these stories to be real, relatable, and something that we can all, hopefully at the end of the day, have a lot of fun playing a game, 
but get out of something like something real out of this and definitely try to be stronger as a community. That's what we always say here on the podcast that it, it's all about community for us. Um, so I really, really, once again, obviously it's not quite shout outs, but I appreciate Bungie for making something that could be so real in a fantasy game that some people will never understand, but this community is, is, it's great. Absolutely. And ready to move on then? Yeah, let's move on to the next one. All right. Regarding the fanatic, my queen, I have now seen Fickroll, the fanatic, the scorned baron, brainwashed into subjugation by your brother, a puppet in Aldrin's scheme to open a gateway to the Dreaming City. The appearance of his nightmare begs even bigger questions. Why him? What is the pyramid implying? I often ruminate on the fallen. They are fascinating people. A once great society, now reduced to wasted potential, destroyed by the darkness. Who can say what they might have achieved before their downward spiral into scavenging and piracy? Is this to be my legacy too? Am I fated to fail a pawn to the whims of the darkness? If that is what the nightmare of Fickrol represents, what choice am I left with? I have already been stripped of my light. It would be easy for the darkness to take me if I let it. Do I dare? If we lose this coming battle, surely we are to suffer the same fate as the fallen, being cast aside, aimless, and gagging on our own lost hopes and ideals. It's growing harder to find the light. All right, so this is her kind of very similar. She's already talked about how she can kind of relate to some of the troubles of the fallen, but we see a little bit more of that now. Um, you know, we once, you know, this is a pretty fresh one because Fnatic was just probably one of our last ones to take out. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, once she talks about how she can relate to the fallen, that their world was destroyed by the darkness and can't imagine that. And, um, is that her legacy too? I like that. Am I fitted to fail a pawn to the whims of the darkness? If that is what nightmare fickle represents, what choice am I left with? And so she makes a good point. You know, when you're you're a race that has gotten to a point that you're so desperate that we've seen the fallen go through so many different means. You know, we have the Siva crisis, we have the scorned barons. Um, you know, I can't even. There's so many different houses and factions, these different wars. You know, she she's saying that if this is what the darkness did to a race that we've we've seen this happen to another race, what what does this mean for us? How much? How much better off can we be? Granted, we have guardians. The traveler, you know, stopped and it, it's, you know, it's helping us fight. But still, she can relate in the sense, especially in this, in the with the fallen, because they're going, they went through something similar and are going through what could be our fate. Now, here's the one thing that I I specifically latched onto. I have already been stripped of my light. Like, that's true. That means she has no guardian abilities. That's true. That would mean that once her ghost is gone, she is just an average individual. But that would also mean then that she doesn't have the light. She talks about it would be easy for the darkness to take me. That would mean then then an average person could what could be harness could be influenced by the light or the dark. Or is it more of a in the same way guardian? can be imbued with the power of the light 
if the darkness chooses you, so to speak, something similar could happen to you. you know, especially if we, you know, we're not, not getting into unveiling too much, but, you know, we're kind of seeing that, like, the darkness and the light are kind of of the same power. And there's no reason why the darkness couldn't make its own minions. I mean, we have that with the, the hive and the worm gods and st- things like that. So, But it would be really, really interesting to see, like, one entity be on both. I mean, well, you know, I say that, but now technically you have, like, Dredgen Yor, was he technically dealing with both? Yeah. And the shadows of Yor at that point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, that is interesting. And she does straight up say she's stripped of her light. But like I said, you know, we she still we still have things where she like teleports us out and she does it that throwback. She does it in this newest campaign when she does the Guardian come with me and like sucks us out of the, the nightmares and well, in- where does and that power come from then? Are those those are Tolan's tricks, if we remember? So, right, those are Tolan's tricks, and it like it makes me think that it's hive magic. Yeah, that's what I think too. So she's dipping her toe into the darkness, but not completely diving in. Um, and with her being stripped of her light, like it makes me think that guardians by themselves cannot harness the light. It's our ghosts that help us to actually harness it. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious. It's just the fact that Eris or Tolan have been able to deal with some of the darkness without necessarily having anything to, like, channel. Although, you know, Eris is part Hive, so I probably, I should, and Tolan's a ball of dark yeah. energy. So maybe you do have to have some connection. That could be part of it. But I also like the fact that she talks about how it's growing harder to find the light, but that still insinuates that she could be using, you know, Hive magic or or some aspect of the darkness and still be on the side of the light. So that kind of goes back to the theory that I've just had for the longest time is dark and light are just two, two sides of the same spectrum of energy and you can use it for whatever you, you want. It's just quite often the, the ideologies or the things that are applied to one side or the other usually influence how you use that power. So I think Eris is definitely a good example of, of a, well, one more example of those of a guardian being able to learn from the dark without being full on dark. Yeah. Right. Well, I yeah, I think I feel. Yeah, I'm everybody. I'm good. All right, so I'll be reading our next card regarding Crota, son of Oryx. My queen, the worst is upon us. I'm afraid, struggling to control my emotions, my queen. But it is not fear that provokes me. Uncontrollable rage fills me as the nightmare of Crota returns to taunt me for my failures once again. I am always failing. The countless lives taken during the great, great disaster, my fire team, and my own lost humanity, they have all come rushing back. I am trying in vain to stop a waterfall with a tree branch. I am overwhelmed. I fail again. The Eater of Hope laid waste to world after world in his pursuit of the Traveler. My friends, his sword stole their light. Their light. There was never a path to forgiveness with Crota. He had to be eradicated. The peace I felt learning of his demise at the hands of Guardians was immeasurable. I took pleasure in his death. I relished in it. The darkness will win. 
I can sense it already. I swore I would go on. I can no longer swear this. Always failing. Relieve me. Wow, this got really dark. Yeah. Compared to normal, at least. She, she's um, been going down, but this is like... Deep end. That's the cherry <laughs> on top. Yeah. The, the reversed cherry. Like, it's like, what is the opposite? Whatever the opposite of a sun of a Sunday, which is supposed to be like happy and joy, this is the cherry on top of that. It's the upside down. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I like how she even calls it out here. You know, I'm afraid, struggling to control my emotions, but it's not fear that provokes me. Uncontrollable, uncontrollable rage fills me. So, like, I like how she's able to actually understand that about herself enough to write it. Yeah, that's true. She's definitely letting her her, her feelings go right now. You know, she's writing. She's still writing the Queen. It's been a while since she wrote anything to Ikora. As like a these these messages. The messages to Ikora are more like um, information being passed along. But these ones to the Queen, she just kind of like bears her soul. Um. You know, she talks about how much rage she feels at seeing this. Of course, the great sadness and fear. And then, of course, how much peace she felt when the Guardians originally killed Crota. But then, you know, she talks about she took pleasure in it. But then right after that, she basically just kind of gives up. The darkness will win. I can sense it already. And she talks about how she's always failing. If that doesn't sound like, you know, I won't say like quitter talk, but what do you, you know, someone that's that's Eeyore right there. She's being very, very, very negative about herself. Um, and she's kind of starting to give up. Yeah. And it's it's rough to see. Yes. She's always been so, like, fired up about the hive and taking them out. And Exactly. Now she's kind of just saying, oh, we're done for. And But remember, she, she had just said, what, one, two cards before? She talked about, you know, um, what would they see in the pyramid? If everything was so bad, and remember, we fought Crota when we went into the pyramid ship. So at this point, she's this is kind of like this is one of her biggest fears, I guess. I mean, I'm understandable why, but yeah, this is kind of like the last straw for her. Reliving Crota again, that's that's just too much for. Her. Yeah, I don't. Know. I think we kind of move on into the next last card. It kind of just shows how rough it's gotten for. Her. Yep. And I will be covering regarding the pyramid. Undelivered. Deleted. My queen, I am at a loss. Never before have I felt so hopeless, so adrift, so tempted. Forgive me for my words, but I understand the allure of the darkness. It is quite a powerful sensation to feel so free of care. My fractured mind thrills at the prospect of recklessly abandoning hope. I cannot say I didn't want it to take me. I was weak. I see this now. I may have faltered, but I endure. Do not mistake my weakness for betrayal. There are more pressing concerns. Delivered. Reconstructed. It's coming, my queen. It's coming for us. We have been manipulated. We are right where it wants us. The darkness orchestrated its plan magnificently. The nightmares were so impeccably calculated to draw us in, make us vulnerable, 
and leave us exposed. The darkness plans to see us. We are to do its bidding. I don't know how to stop it. I detect no fear on the part of our nemesis. We aren't even a concern. We pose no threat. The darkness needs a reason to fear our light, and I intend to provide it. I have been inside. I have nothing but beautiful and violent words for my report. I will meet you at your throne. Delivered. Ikora. After all that has transpired, I must share my findings with you, for you have remained steadfast and supportive of me, where others lacked faith. Having faced so many of the demons that haunted me, I finally feel a sense of closure on the horizon. Pain is something that never truly goes away. It is something you live with, hoping it makes you stronger as you learn to cope. You cannot bury it, nor hide from it. There is power in acknowledging it. That is how we will win. Despair not. Our purpose is good and true. I will not be weighed down in the dark by my past, my mistakes, or my trauma. Instead, I will use them, and they will lift me up into the light. All right. So I actually think we got this entry after, it, it, I'm not 100% sure, but it might have been after the cutscene that recently came out. Because um, to me, this last card we read, she had given up faith, and she starts out with just basically telling the queen that, She's almost telling the queen that she's she's giving up. Um, not necessarily, but or at least that she was thinking that she was completely beated, beaten. Um, you know, my fractured mind thrills at the prospect of rack, recklessly abandoning hope. Cannot say I didn't want it to take me. I was weak. I see this now. Um, or I should say that's what she was feeling, that she was going to give up. But now we're seeing that she's feeling a sense of strength again. And then she, she re- Reconstructs it, tries again to, to, to let her know because um, to me this is like this is right after she she went in and touched the statue and she gave that creepy little smile that we're still not 100% sure what happened. But that was she she still says that they're kind of a little screwed. We've been manipulated, um, that the darkness is using us and it doesn't have any fear. But that's when she says the darkness needs a reason to fear our light and I intend to provide it. I have been inside. I have nothing but beautiful and violent words for my report. I will meet you at your throne. And then she goes that's, on to tell Ikora basically something similar, that she is ready. That's kind of how it felt to me, too, was the fact that like this happened after she went into the pyramid. Yeah, I knew that this card got dropped later. I just couldn't remember when, because I had read a lot of the stuff later, um, just because of life keeping me distracted. But um, I read this one all together, but I think this... This entry did come after the others, and I think that might have been when, um, because like, but still, it's it's just crazy. She's got a renewed hope going on here. So whatever in the world she discovered in there, I'm I'm very curious. Um, if you're not familiar with the cutscene that happened, she walks into the pyramid after we've kind of cleared everything. She's holding her glowing green rock. She's always carrying around. Um, she touches the statue, and it starts kind of pulsating with like this black like plasma kind of substance around it and then she lets go and it goes back and and she touches it again and kind of like holds there and then she turns around and gives it it zooms into her face and we see this like creepy little smile of joy and so yeah. i think 
And all the while, when she's doing that, the rock that she's holding turns into, like, a multi-faced prism. Yeah, so I think I think that this is what is happening right now, is she, her, her will had been broken, but she went in there and learned something. Um, yeah. Maybe it's that she can harness this power um, and use it. I really don't know. Um, I haven't had a lot, I haven't really taken a lot of time to speculate on what that cutscene means. Um, but she's got something in store for us. She is ready to make the darkness fear our light. So I don't, it's, it's not like Eris is fully given up and converted to the other side. This is like she went in there and discovered something about the darkness that she can use against it. Um, that's why I mentioned that I'm really excited. I'm hoping for like one more cutscene or something to take us into the next season. Although, I probably should calm down. You know, the next season probably is not going to be as big of a like continuation of the story as well, this original they campaign. About, they were talking about how they wanted to create one <clears throat> continuous story. That is true, you know. Because kind of in the past, you know, we've been introduced to a story and it's not to like a new expansion that we get like new stuff. But, you know, you're right. Every season we get new lore books. And so they might, I was just curious if we'll see a lot of in-camp, like in-game cutscenes and stuff. I don't know. You're right. They have, they have really been providing pretty good stuff. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Like, I'm, I'm keeping myself tempered, but <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, you know, and I never noticed, I didn't even pay attention to this either. At the very beginning, before she rewrites her message, she says, forgive me for my words, but I understand the allure of the darkness. There's quite a powerful sensation to feel so free of care. And so I had always thought about this as just like her having to deal with darkness all the time. But now I'm thinking this is whatever in the world she felt when she touched that thing, connected herself to that, and she... Yeah. She's channeling that power. You know, she's I cannot say I didn't want it to take me. I was weak. I see this now. I may have faltered, but I endure. So yeah, this is like a one this is a complete 180 perspective change from the I am a failure she was just talking about last entry. She went from Completely. we've already lost, the darkness is going to take us to I have nothing but beautiful and violent words. <laughs> I just considering this is two different like three different letters one that was deleted and two that were delivered like I, I'm looking at this and I'm like she's not sharing the same information with that Cora that's what I was thinking too yeah I mean she oh and the other thing I will meet you at your throne we haven't seen her at her throne for a while Mara's been gone so the fact that Eris might be able to meet her there. That's pretty interesting. And then she does say that I want to share my findings with you, but she doesn't go into the same detail, like you said. She kind of just says that I'm ready to go. Like, I can, we can beat this. But she doesn't, like, share, like, this is why. She tells the queen, I'm going to come tell you the plan. She tells Ikora, don't worry, we got this. I wonder if we go activate the, uh, the Oracle engine. If there's actually going to be like a cutscene there, mm, that would be a crazy little Easter egg. Like I, I doubt it. Yeah, but no, but that would be. It would be cool. Oh, that would be cool. What if we're? What if that's like a tie back? We get summoned back to the Dreaming City. 
to the Oracle engine and have a meeting with Eris and and Mara and the Queen. Yeah, that would be crazy, man. Uh, now I'm just hopeful. Now I'm just getting into. We're just daydreaming at this point. Yeah. And you know, that is kind of crazy because you remember people were asking, um, will we see a re- uh, resolution to Mara's story? And they were like, well, this season's a focus on Eris. But here's that tie back. Where is Eris? What has the queen been doing? Well, she sent Eris to go deal with the pyramid. She's doing something else. And she's also shown us the pyramid ships. Now her and Eris are meeting up. So uh, it's exciting. It's very exciting. Well, and, well fortunately, we don't have too and, long to wait. And even then, like, you know, this could be something that leads into next season. Like, yeah. you know, we could be cool. headed back to the Dreaming City. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, they never really stated that we would be on the moon for every single, right? you know, aspect of this expansion. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's it for the story so far of, of at least Letters for Eris. But it definitely has a great tie-in to the continued story of the game. Definitely. You got anything else to add? I think now we just got the brains rolling on <laughs> our own personal uh, theories and stuff. Right. Like at this point, it's it's more of just like what I want to happen versus what I think should happen. Yeah. So. Right. That's the problem sometimes when you're speculating. You have to uh, temper your your personal emotions and thoughts right. and feelings. Like this is a theory that I actually have, and this is what I want to happen. Right. Um. But with that being said, let's close out the episode. So my shoutouts are to Ishtar Collective, as always. Um, shout out to Orchid, as always. And shout out to Mrs. Hyven. She, like, I, I woke up at 9 this morning, and I looked at my phone, and I'm like, oh, I had a call from Mrs. Hyven four hours ago. I did, too. She was driving back through the night, and I was uh-huh. so sleepy that I, she eventually found a, she found goldfish. She wasn't. A, she had someone to stay up with her for a bit, but I stayed up till 3 a.m. with her. Well, I stayed up till 3:30 if she needed me. She ended up not. And then, of course, a couple hours after I go to sleep, that's when she's trying to call yeah, everyone. Like an hour after you went to sleep, she's like, "I need somebody." Yeah, yeah. And like, I was just dead tired last night, so I. Same here. I apologize, Mrs. Ivan. Uh, that's it for me. All right. Well, as far as myself, I I want to shout out kind of the same people. Ishtar Collective, they saved us here with getting this last card because it wasn't in our original show notes when we originally did this because this one was added. And it's so nice to just be able to quickly go and grab stuff when we need it. Ishtar Collective makes it so great. Thank you to Baxter and the whole team for always keeping things so orderly and so easy to find. And then, of course... um. Two Elemists for doing this episode, just like good old times. This whole two episodes are recorded. Hopefully uh, not as dry as those. You guys, they're definitely uh, a little bit more straightforward. Uh, we can't, we like to have fun, but I think we're not naturally as, um, we don't got that bubbly personality of Mrs. Ivan. She brings the fun out of us, but hopefully you still yeah. enjoy the episode. I think we definitely were a lot more comfortable, uh, but this is kind of a throwback to a remake of our original couple episodes, maybe. Uh, so shout out to you, man, for hanging out with me. Just me and you doing an episode again. Been a while. And then, of course, to Mrs. Hyven um, for 
being a wonderful co-host and a wife. We had a great time on our vacation. Um, and it was very nice to spend with her in a, at Disney World. Um, but we're glad to be home. And um, when she's listening to this, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for everything you do. Right now she's sleeping, so I'll just go wake her up and then put her to bed. Yeah, not quite. It's it's so hard. I never know what to do when she when she's been driving forever, right? When we're recording this, it's about seven o'clock. You yeah. wake someone up, or do you just let them sleep from like five till the next morning? <laughs> anyway, that's unrelated, yeah, but I we'll see. I'll go check on her. But that's it. Just a shout out to all you guys. And and as a quick note, that entry actually was added the day. It was like the weekly reset before Halloween. Okay. So, so that's why it wasn't in our show yeah. notes because I pull all that stuff as it comes out and I. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I knew you did it early, so that's why. That's why Star Collective <laughs> is so great, though, because oh, even yeah. when you're, even when we're on, even when Elemist is on the ball. Bungie still releases the lore at a, and on, on a timetable, so that's why we can't do all of unveiling yet, because it's still not all out yet. Uh, but Ishtar yeah. Collective makes it makes it handy. We're just able to grab that note and continue on with the podcast. Absolutely. And with that being said, uh, as a reminder, you can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can email us, guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Leave us a review wherever you find the podcast and hit up our Discord server. Uh, it should be in the episode description. In in the down there? Yeah. And the, hey, somewhere, swipe over, scroll down, whatever your app does. It's somewhere <laughs> in there. Exactly. And that's it. Take care. All right. Bye, guys. Hey, babe. I'm awake, sorry. You need the bum bums? I need the bum bums. <laughs> Ready? Yep. Bum bum bum. Goodbye.